The Book Thingo podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture, and the nature of lies. Gabby and a plague-ridden Rudy join us for episode 71, recorded in Sydney. Book Thingo would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this episode was recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contributions of Australia's Indigenous people to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the Book Thingo podcast, talking about books we love, especially romance. Kill a fairy fast on the Book Thingo podcast. Welcome back to the Book Thingo podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. A couple of episodes ago, you heard about our complete disregard for continuity and reading orders. Well, in this episode, we put our money where our podcast release schedule is. This episode was actually recorded way back in February, while Gabby was still in Australia. Together, we decided to knock one book off our respective TBR piles, with varying degrees of success. You can find information on the titles and authors we talk about in this episode by going to bookthingo.com.au slash podcast and clicking on episode number 71. And if you're on Twitter, you can tweet about your biggest TBR hurdle using the hashtag BTPod. I don't understand I'm edging this way. what you guys are doing to me. First That's why all, you've chosen this I, week of all weeks. I hope that you is not collective you and it's oh, just direct to the cat. I haven't done anything to you except love and support you, just so you know. Level checks. Fuck, I'm going to have to bump mine right up because I can't, I can't talk today. All right. That's where I am. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I feel really bad. I really do feel like we should postpone, but Rudy said she read a book for this and then we responded that we didn't. So we can't bail on this. I have refused to do homework since I finished uni. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb, otherwise she'll yell at you. You guys have already fucked me over hey, like three times today. again, you guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying give to up. figure out where you sent me. I literally, I quit, I quit. I've got thoughts, which is really good. Oh, like I, so I yeah. didn't come having read a book, but I came with thoughts. Hello, I'm Kat. I'm Gabby. And I'm Rudy. Um, something, something, well, this your book thing or podcast. I feel like I don't know what it's meant to And happen. you're listening to the book thing or podcast. That's good. That was there really go. good. Oh, my God. Keep that in. That was really professional. Cut everything else out. That was great. I love how I'm just directing you. I'm so sorry. You're in charge. <laughs> Me, no, this is Kat's show. Touche, you're in theory. She's not. In when charge. have I ever been in charge? So, of this do you want to talk yeah. about the theme since it's your show? So, the theme is books that we haven't read yet, and we were supposed to read at least one, but only one of us actually did the homework. No, I had actually said to you guys, you don't have to read the book, but you do have to be able to explain why you've decided not to read the book. Perfect. You yeah, have to know what book you're going to talk about. Do you want to tell me what book you read over the past week, Rudy, please? Yes. Gabby, I would love to tell you I'm what ready. book I read. I'm waiting. Okay. So I try really hard not to admit things that you don't like to your actual face. <laughs> <laughs> the rage. Cause... I can already feel it like just tingling under my skin. So what I said to your actual face was that I had never read Lover at Last by J.R. Ward, which is a book that is incredibly important to you, 
You yelled at me quite a lot. <laughs> Why is it important to us, Rudy? Why would you say that it's not just important to me? Why would you say it's important to us and our friendship? Let's talk about this. <laughs> the Black Dagger Brotherhood is a series that has kind of been almost foundational in our friendship. I think that's quite fair to say. Mm-hmm. But for you in particular, Lover at Last was the basis of your honours thesis. And you <laughs> have, have lied to me <laughs> for years since 2013. <laughs> we have gone through so much since then. We have travelled together. We've shared so much of ourselves. And yet you... I would talk to Rudy. I would consult her all the time. I'd talk to her about my honours thesis. We would, like, workshop it. I spoke to her under the premise <laughs> that she had read it. You did Under the not. assumption that you, you had read it. You did not. Yes, because, did. all right, when we revisited the idea that I hadn't read this book and it was <laughs> it was a knowledge gap for me, I said to you, I think you are forgetting why you don't want me to read this book. Oh, my God, I know I remember. Wait, no, okay, you have to say it so that I can be verified in what I think because I think I might be wrong. But continue. I really liked Blay and Saxon together. Oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so did I, actually. And so I did I. Out. Like, Saxon was the fucking... Saxon, Saxon was Quinn the was such a dick. Such a dick. And so... <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't want to read it. Quinn was a... Quinn was a dick. Yeah. Did you even read yeah, the books? I did. Did she you was a dick? Did you? Oh, I'm actually. Did you read? Sorry, Saxon was was beige. He was beige. You love beige. That's what you you love beige. <laughs> you love beige. That's why you love marrying Winterbourne. I'm seeing a theme because if you think that Saxon and Blaylock were meant to be anyway. Sorry, we've drif- drifted. You've dr- yeah. This is not a lover at last podcast, unfortunately. Going into the book, that's kind of where I was at. I was like, I've I've put off reading it for. How many years? 10. 20. <laughs> I've put off reading it for roughly 20 years. Yes. Because I didn't like the pairing that I knew it was going to be. Um, I also was scared to not like the book because then I would have to say to your actual face that I didn't like the book. And if I thought that being yelled at just now was really uncomfortable, it definitely would have been worse. I would Gabby, can I report back on having read it though? Yes, please, please. I'd like to hear. I don't know. I don't know. Do I want to hear? No, it's fine. I will hear your thoughts. I was wrong. <gasps> I actually really liked it. Oh my God. This is the second time you've <laughs> admitted that I was right and you were wrong in the space of two days and I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by this feeling. I re- Can you just say it one more time? I was wrong. You were right. <laughs> so Quinn and Blay <laughs> were great. But, like, it's an incredibly emo book. Isn't it? Really emo. And it also, it should be a novella. Only in that it kind of, well, it kind of is a novella (laughs) if you just ignore, like, I don't know. The subplots. (laughs) Like, yeah. But But is it even a subplot when it kind of took over the entire book? Yeah, it's like their romance was actually the subplot. So these are the notes I wrote to myself while I was was reading. Yes, please. I want to hear I'm trying, I swear I'm trying, but I don't like Quinn and I'm out of practice with Wardlish. It's been three days and I'm only 6% in. (laughs) My next note to myself was, there are weird celibacy issues. Quinn has effectively re-virginized as a sign of his love or something. 
Yeah. Which. Well, it was talking, we, we spoke about this, in, well, maybe I spoke about it at you, the definitions of virginity, how like this plays out in a traditional romance way where Quinn imagines himself as a virgin. And I guess if he define if he wants to define himself as a virgin because he's never had anal sex, like he's never, he's been, never been penetrated because he's penetrated others and that's fine, but he totally imagines himself as a virgin but also he has gone a year without sex yeah roughly a year yeah it's also because um, he was hypersexual before that wasn't yeah he? He was just so there is there's some i mean i i'm quite okay with his sort of re-virginizing himself or, or positioning himself as a virgin because it is a social construct and it really it comes down to you defining it for yourself so if you consider yourself a virgin you are and if you don't then you're not so I, I'm fine with that, but it just was one of the, I was like, oh, fuck, this is a fascinating book just to kind of look out for those reasons. Oh, and then this is probably about day five. Why is it about every single other character in the universe except the actual main characters? Mm, a good question. That was Layla so, and Score, or whatever what, his name was. Were they in that? Were they, did yeah. they feature in that? Yes. I'm reading oh, my look, review of this book. Literally everyone is in this book. Except Quinn and Blay. <laughs> and it's such a big book too. Like I remember I had the, I own the hard copy of it and it's it's a tome. But literally I when I was doing my thesis, I had pinched the places where their story actually was, and it was less than a tenth of the book. Yeah. Like if you strip away all of the all of the rest of the plot shit and make it just about them, it is actually an incredibly compelling if emo story. <laughs> which I was quite okay with that Um, I wanted to flag this with you because I thought that you would find it really interesting as far as I can tell the conflict is basically that Quinn loves Blay too much but doesn't love and trust himself you were saying the last time that we did an episode together that's your favourite plot conflict (laughs) and you were like does that exist? It does (laughs) (laughs) He loves him too much. I think that's why I connected with that book so early, before I even knew what my tastes were. I just remember the the lead up to it. The lead up to that book was so intense, how they would just have all of these moments sprinkled in the books before. And so you get this really thick book and you're like, oh my God, it's going to be like 100% Quinn and Blay, and then it's not. But still, Quinn's like fucking angst over Blay is so beautiful. And that's so nice. Like, I love angst. I do think that there is like there she were kind of I know she was eyes dead eyes. I'm reading my review and I apparently liked it, but I don't remember liking it that much. Yeah, um, maybe you were just really nice back then. <laughs> maybe, maybe I, was, I also think maybe it was actually a, a real romance reader then, <laughs> yeah, as opposed to now a fake romance reader. I also think that um, Lover at Last probably stands up a lot better if you've never read Captive Prince, but when you have, and then you go to that like it yeah it loses something and that's unfortunate for Quinn and Blake. if you've never read did Captive you Prince, just compare the writing of J.R. Ward to the writing of C.S. Paquette I'm so like but the characters are how how similar. can you even put no, them in the if, same like that's not a side-by-side comparison look it's not but it is like as far as as far as storytelling goes and as far as like the fact that it's yeah it's MM paranormal in a mainstream book so like on um, paper they would look yeah similar. all right and i you, can accept that and also they're both really fucking emo i feel like the black dagger brotherhood is a series that you should read not when you've read many romances and paranormal romances i feel like you, you you'll enjoy it more if you're in that 
beginning of your journey as a paranormal romance reader? I disagree because I think that it holds its own in terms of its crack elements. Like the fact that it's so fucking wild. Like her, the way she uses language is messed. It's entertaining in that way. I don't know if you necessarily need to come at it from a very serious and critical perspective and say, "Mm, like, if we really broke down her writing, we would find it lacking in so many ways. Like, we would. But in terms of its entertainment value, it is quite compelling. But I think that that was what was kind of fascinating or fun about coming back to this book. I think enjoyment of certain books can be determined by, like, what you have and have not read already. Mm. And also what you have and have not read recently. Yeah. Like, I think that there's there are books that I think work better for me because I haven't read that particular type of book recently or that I have read something that is really similar and I just am looking for more of the same. And I thought that was kind of, yeah. That's an interesting point. It was point. fun. I agree with you because I think when I first started reading MM, it was around the time that I had read Lover at Last and I think, or maybe a year or two after, but I had picked up KJ Charles and I was like, okay, because I want to find like a really beautiful MM story and everyone recommends KJ Charles. KJ Charles I liked, but I didn't necessarily connect with her on the level that I loved, you know, some other books. Like she was good, but she wasn't necessarily, I'm going to go glom everything that you've ever read because I need to. But recently I've gone back to her and I think that because I've read some other stuff and maybe because I was reading fan fiction, I have this newfound appreciation for KJ Charles and I can see that the way she writes is actually quite amazing. And even though I didn't like it before, I can see it's worth now. So what books were you guys going to read but didn't? I'll be honest, I had no intention of reading these books. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. What was your book anyway? You can't, even, you can't even lie. Like, I honestly feel like Rudy read it because it was part of her friendship with you. Like, I, I don't. It's true. I would not have spoken to you anymore if you hadn't <laughs> read it. Like, I remember when you told me that you were going, you had this and another book. What was the other book that you were choosing between? <gasps> no, I remember. I, no, there's one that I'm not even going to say to you. Come it. on. I'll stab you. Do you want Is me to kill you? Is it a kin sale? I'm not. I'm not. Have you read Flowers from the Storm? I'm not discussing <gasps> this with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not read Flowers from the Storm? It's like our friendship means nothing. I read every single thing that you tell me. Like, I read every single thing that you have ever told me to read and I connect with you on it and I talk about it with you and we do reviews and we engage and you have not read the book that changed the game for me and that changed the game for my relationship with Kat where I realized that I would actually gladly kill her for her Fabio book before you actually got it for me. So I don't need to murder Kat anymore because I've got my own flowers from the storm. So I just, I'm going to take a second. You actually did know this. I didn't. You did. I and I have didn't. texts to prove it. Oh, you <laughs> I feel like this you whole episode is designed bitch. to just anger Gabby because I'm me. pretty sure my list is going to anger her as well. No, what I don't think your fuck? list would ever actually make that. No. Okay, because flat um, Nothing is going to – there's no about, betrayal this deep. No, that's true. Think about books that you think – like what are books that you think of when you think of me? Um, <laughs> so – you started reading it. Yeah, I've started and three you times. stopped. But you almost tried to do a dueling review with me. I did know this, you piece of shit. You fucking betrayal. 
How could you not finish it? The first two times it was because it was not a good time. Um, And I think a little bit I associate that book with that. Okay. So the time that I said to you that we would, like, I would read it and I would send you messages, Mm -hmm. it was a long weekend and I was living not in Sydney and I think I just didn't and then I ran out of... (laughs) Long weekend. My long weekend, and I've never had one since. Okay, we had one two weeks ago. All right. So this is not right. Your lies. Listen. Okay. Now that I know that I knew, I hate that I had to experience this betrayal for a second time. Um, It just feels overwhelming. Flowers from the Storm is the best book in the entire world and Kat can't have an opinion on this because she's always wrong on every single book that she's ever read. I actually quite sincerely believe you. I, I really do. I just think that it's it's a book that I need to be in the right mind frame okay. for and I haven't I haven't managed it yet, but that's not to say that I won't. I, I Well, I can't be mad at you, can I? Because you've revealed vulnerabilities surrounding this book and that means that I would be faith, a fucking faith. bitch <laughs> if I held it against you. So I guess I've got to be a nice person and say also, Gabby, I'm not mad at you. Because, <laughs> Gabby, I think the problem is that I love you too much. <laughs> you fucking liar. My favourite trope is not going to work in this scenario. Don't try to emotionally manipulate me. I love you too much and I just... It scares me. <laughs> You're so cruel. It only works for for Damon and it only works for... for Quinn. Oh, Quinn and his love for Blake. Who's Damon. Jesus Christ, Kat. Damianos. Oh, oh, that Damon. Okay. <laughs> this is where we actually have to go back to, to what it is to be a romance reader. Because we joke all the time about how Kat's not a romance reader, right? Mm. And it's supported by the fact that she hasn't read romance in how long has it been now? Oh, it's been a while. I haven't read a book in a while. Okay, so Kat is, Kat's going through a dry spell. Not just a dry spell. Probably a drought. But she's, I... She's re-virginized. <laughs> Gosh, okay. But if we think about what it means to be a romance reader, do you think that we have a romance canon? I think we do, but I don't think you need to have read the entire canon to be a romance reader. Do you think you have, you need to read the canon to be a good romance reader? I think to be a good reviewer I should have read the canon. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily compulsory to do it if you're a romance reader. Like I, I just don't know if it's possible because there are so many books and some of these books are wedded to their time, the time period that they were written, not necessarily the time period they were writing about. So I think uh, there, there can definitely be a point where you're just not going to appreciate the canon. I question the idea of there being a canon because I think that there is so many sub-genres mm. and so many kind of different parts of the genre that breaks away I don't know that there is actually a canon and I think that any attempt to it is probably going to miss a lot of diverse voices yeah Yeah. actually yeah so this is part of the reason why I I like we did a writing degree obviously and so when we were in class and we would talk about writing and books and reading what it was to be a reader genre fiction readers would sit on the outskirts because we were never really included in the discussions or really legitimized in the discussions because we didn't really connect with 
the same canonical texts that everybody else seemed to. And this wasn't an English lit degree. So it's not like we were talking about like Chaucer and, and shit. We were talking about books that everyone seemed to have read. Like I just remember everyone having read Naked Lunch. That I haven't. I yeah. Know. But in our classes, there were just mm. these people who would read these really alternative texts on, or like The Road by oh, What's-His-Face. Yeah. McCormick? Yeah, something like that. Those texts that were like, oh, my God, like, yeah, everyone's read them. They're so important. And I would always feel really left out because I was like, mm, I like reading Judith McNaught. That's my <laughs> that's really important to me. So it's like I compensated for the fact that I hadn't read all of these classics by reading the classics of romance. And I think this is why you think that I'm a, a a snob when it comes to reading. Yeah. It makes sense actually now that I'm really thinking about it because I do think that I pride myself in the fact that I have read books that I think have defined the genre over specific eras. And so I think it's really important to read those books and bond with people over them. And also support your friends in their reading of those books. I'm so glad we're coming back around. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I went, I'm sorry, I went on a tangent. But I was just... No, but I I get that. Because, like, I guess when I make jokes about Kat not being a romance reader, one of the things that I keep pointing out to her is that um, a lot of the authors that she doesn't like or that she can't get through are part of, like, not new school romance, but almost, like, new new school. I don't know what we're even calling... The phase that we're like, in now. Yeah. What kind of authors? Can we give examples? Um, Alyssa Cole oh, is right. my biggest bugbear because I really want to like her book. But actually... Charlotte Stein. Charlotte Stein. Well, I've only tried her one time. Alyssa Cole I've tried twice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I haven't been reading much, so... Kind of I know, but you pick up and you start, but don't don't finish quite a few. Yeah, that's true. Outside of romance class books, name an author that I is part of that really new good new beginnings. groups. I don't know what you mean by new beginnings. Good beginnings, like good beginnings. Yeah, I I don't know. Either, I don't understand. This, I think this is linked to the fact that Cat can't help herself from flicking to the end and killing a fairy and reading the end of the book. But I didn't do that for Charlotte Stein because I was so bored I didn't Oh, I don't know how you can be bored with Charlotte Stein. Like, Charlotte Stein is literally one of the most gripping authors. Maybe it was just that book. So I'll try another one. Which one was it? Was it the Catholic, the religious one? Yeah, Sheltered. God, that was so good. That was so good. It really – because the thing about Sheltered – is that it's not particularly kinky, it's not particularly like anything, but it reads real filthy. It's so, it reads it's so, so filthy. filthy because she's so buttoned up mm. that I feel like I had really high expectations of Charlotte Stein, not just from Rudy's recommendation, but I'd seen her recommended a number of times and she's on my list of newish authors to try. I mean, I started reading her because Victoria Dahl recommended mm. Never Sweeter and was talking about like how that hero is absolutely fucking filthy, and he is. Which one? Um, Tate from Never, Never Sweeter. I don't remember the name. He's <laughs> you have to give me character it's, it is the It's the bully one. God, I love that book. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's I so hot. Maybe I should have started that book with is, that. But... That book is one of the sexiest books because they're – I love I love inadvertent sex talk. I love it. It's, so, it's such a good trope when they're, like, having to talk about sex, but it's, like – getting them really turned on like they are doing a research project on yeah they they're taking a films. film class and so they're doing 
And so they have to watch all these, like, like not even sexy films, but understated sexy films. Oh, I think there's one where I mean, like, well, one of the one of the films that they watch is Dirty Dancing, yeah. And they talk about like it will actually make you watch Dirty Dancing a little bit differently. Um, not like you won't love it any less, but also Tate says some stuff, and you're like, oh, okay. I love Tate. He's so smart. Maybe I'll start with that one. It's actually so good. And then they're just sitting next to each other, and they're like squirming and stuff, and it's. Yeah, divine. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, maybe it was just the book. So Alicia Rye is the only one. So That's I a betrayal feel, for for you. Rudy. I feel terrible about all that. of these have been betrayals yeah, for it, me. It has, they have been, and, but and also Rudy's she's been so telling me for so long. Recommend books, and you know Rudy's really good at recommending books. Yeah, but not, not to just, you. But to me, so it's just not me. working. I wanted to hit her up recently, but I didn't. I, I didn't want to stress you out. <laughs> I've been reading fan fiction instead. <laughs> So, Gab, what were you going to read but didn't? To be honest, I actually think that this isn't necessarily one that, like, the only one that I could think of is The Flame and the Flower. And even then it's you just like. You enjoy it anyway, yeah, but that's so I wouldn't thing. bother. I don't think it's one where people would get mad at me for not reading. The only thing that I could, like, I just, I pretended I read it for my honest thesis. I faked it. And then it's the same thing that I did with my year 12 extension one major work. I wrote the juvenilia of Georgette Heyer. So I was meant to write in the style of Georgette Heyer, but I didn't read Have you read her sing- books? No, nah, not no, a I haven't read thing. her books either. But you know what? I think actually that was my teacher shoving me in a direction that I didn't necessarily, like that was sanitized for her. Because mm. before that I was meant to be writing this parody of a romance novel, but it just turned out that I was writing a romance novel. <laughs> And so she was like, mm, we need to revise this. And then I did and I wasn't into it. But I don't, But this is the thing I asked you. I was like, what haven't I read? Because I feel like when you tell me to read a book, I read it. Yeah. But, you know, this, this whole discussion around which books were a part of um, romance classics, mm. I also feel like because there's no, it's not like you study this at school and, and a teacher tells you these are the classics, they're sort of community defined. So if you're a romance reader who isn't part of a community, you're just not even going to know that there's a gap in your romance reading. And if you started later than than when these books were written, so if you started, say, in the 90s or the 2000s, it might be that your canon is completely different because those books wouldn't even be in your radar. That's what I mean. Like, I, I just don't think that it's possible to have a canon because everyone would have a different kind of mass cultural point yeah. i think we don't have gatekeepers as much as well so let me put in a counter argument and Go. think about the a a uh, the all about romance top 100 so the all about romance top 100 we've already had an episode on it we've already spoken about the issues with the list and the way that they actually collated those titles and the way those titles were voted for but we also spoke about the fact that that list we we struggled to define whether it was for the year or whether it was of all time because there are books in that list that have been there since that list started. This is why I'm kind of struggling with this idea that we kind of don't have gatekeepers and we don't have a canon. Some part of me thinks that we do, and it's not necessarily that we agree with the canon. Not everyone is going to agree on those canonical texts, but we can see the kind of flows and ebbs of the genre as time has gone on. I do think there are those texts, though. There, There are those books that have stood the test of time not in terms of a critical reading perspective but of an enjoyment perspective like that's fair i think that's fair there are books in my bookshelf that i haven't 
read in years, but I wouldn't get rid of them. Like what? Like most of the books there. There are so many <laughs> historicals there. It's yeah, but funny. okay, like what? Like name one. So I've got all the Kinsales. Mm. Well, all the Kinsales that I own. Um, the Julianne Longs. Yeah. Um, Eloisa James, even though I'm not even following most yeah. of her books now because A, she just has too many books yeah. and B, sometimes the series just doesn't grab me. The Bridgertons, I think I might even have J.R. Wards, but I can't remember if I gave them away at some point. They're all of a specific vintage. I mean, I have Woodowis as well. Do, do, you, do you enjoy Woodowis? Well, I reread The Flame and the Flower and it just didn't really do it for me, but I think I read um, Wolf and the Dove, which I know I have. Rudy didn't enjoy quite as much as I did. But that to me... It. it just is a really tedious... But it's all the things that we hate now. Yeah. With the genre, yeah. like Big Miz and... Oh, yeah. It's... Um, communication and it's shit. It's forced seduction. She's very... Um, from memory, she's like very... Hashtag not like other girls. Yeah, feisty. feisty. <laughs> it's, it's a whole fucking thing. When she's she's quite young compared to him as well. Oh, the age because he he um, invades her land, castle, whatever it yeah, is. It's medieval. And, yes, and so like she's kind of yeah. She was she's like the daughter and, of the. Not the king, but whoever was holding that. The lad, I don't know. I can't. Is it? Is it Scottish? I can't remember. I don't remember either. I've lost my copy, and I'm very sad about this. And uh, shit, I might have a copy that you like. I might actually have a copy. If you don't want it, you're welcome to it. it. I thought you were going to say I actually have your copy. No, stole it. Um, but those books, and then I've got more contemporary ones. Like I've got Cruzies. The other book that I've not been able to finish mm. or like get past chapter one is Welcome to Temptation, which, like I said, my Life's list is just heart. like, <laughs> that's for Rooney. One of my favorites. <laughs> but I have like Manhunting, so I've kept that. And I've I got that one. I've got her collaborations with Bob Mayer, which may or may not make people happy. I really like Agnes. Yeah, but Agnes the first and the Hitman one. is great. No, but see, I, I like the like first one. Don't look down. Yeah. I really like it too. Also, Katrin. If Katrin is listening, <laughs> she needs to read that book because it's got this whole thing about Wonder Woman and it is great. That book, I still remember it now because it has this scene where the hero who is like, was he a bodyguard or something? Like he was meant to have some. He's some a Green sort of, Beret yeah. and he comes into the film set to like. Um, be the stunt advisor. Yeah. So there's a scene where he gets into a bar fight and I think somebody sort of complimented him on, you know, whatever. And he basically told them off because he, he was explaining that what he'd done had basically disabled somebody else. And he didn't want to have to do that if he didn't have to. And so I think it was the first time I'd read a hero who didn't just accept the hero being violent to protect someone as being good. Um, and it was talking about the consequences of those actions. And so that book, I will always remember that book for that scene. So, Gab, we've talked before about how, like, I've used romance novels as a way to expand my vocabulary. Yeah. And um, I learnt the word misnomer from yeah. Don't Look Down. I learned. <laughs> I love that you remember. I learned I the really word. Memory. I learned the word clusterfuck from that book. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But misnomer was one of my favourite moments because they're, um, the heroine and her niece are driving through town and they drive past a gentleman's club and and the kid is like oh what's a gentleman's club 
And she says, it's a misnomer. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, because it's not, there's no gentleman in it and it's not a club. (laughs) That's actually really good. Well done, Jennifer Cruzy. (laughs) Cruzy has been expanding my vocabulary (laughs) since I was like 17. Romance books generally have done that for me too. Mm, And um, I've heard anecdotes of um, like, uh, English as a second language learners who um, use Mills and Boone as their way of practicing reading because the books are short and they're not designed. The prose isn't designed to be complicated. Yeah, it's meant to, to be easy to understand. Yeah, that's fantastic. It taught me French. Oh, really? Interesting. I think I've told you this story. When I was in year 11 and I was learning French beginners and we were um, learning the words for clothes clothing and chemise came up and the teacher was like "Mm, what do you think this word means and I was like it means shirt (laughs) and she was so freaking impressed with me and like she was so impressed and she was like how do you know this and I'm like romance novels babe romance novels (laughs) have been teaching me French since I was 14 years old okay it's it's pretty great (laughs) there was a frisson So, question. Do you guys ever lie when somebody talks about a romance novel that they love and you've never read it? Do you you. just let them? Just you've done that. Just me? It's just me and my... I just just lie by omission. I can't think of an example of a time... Unless they're asking me about... Oh, fuck, no, there is one. But it's not classic romance. Doesn't matter. When people ask me about Wuthering Heights, for some reason, I think I've retconned my own life and told myself that I've read Wuthering Heights, <laughs> but I haven't. I have not read Wuthering Heights. And the other one, what's the other one by the other sister? By a different Bronte. Um, Jane Eyre? Yeah. Haven't read that one either. I haven't read Jane Eyre. I think I started one of them on a moor. Which one started on a moor? Wuthering, Wuthering Heights. Heights. Then I got bored and I ended it. That's yeah, fair. That's and I did not a good idea. finish Jane Eyre, but I've seen all of the film adaptations, <laughs> so I can talk about it quite confidently. <laughs> You've heard the Kate Bush song, <laughs> Exactly. God, that song's fantastic. Um, I read Wuthering Heights. I cannot remember a single thing about it other than it was really dark and gloomy mm. and someone jumped off a tower, I think. And there was a ghost whispering yeah. in the moor. Yeah. Was that the ghost or um, was that the crazy wife? Possibly. No, it was the ghost. There is the ghost who was whispering in the moor. I'm glad I didn't and just imagine that. The crazy wife is in um, Jane Eyre. <laughs> She's locked in an attic. <laughs> Bronte's man, like I don't know. I, know. I don't know. Oh. Normally, I'm really good at pretending that I, because I don't want people to think less of me, especially because I'm trained to teach English, and then, like, that's a huge thing. The fact that I Shakespeare too, Shakespeare, I lie through my teeth and pretend that I've read what's the one that she's the man is based on, Twelfth Night. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I've read Twelfth Night. Jokes just since she's the man. <laughs> That's valid because Shakespeare was not written to be read. It was written to be watched. Exactly. Right. Oh, my God. I was just watching it in its true form, just like he wanted. I'm sure I've relied about reading a book, but I can't think of what at the moment. But also I'm not really ashamed to say, nah, I think it's boring and I'm not going to touch it. God, you're so confident in your... I think because I, I went through a called. snobby high school phase where I all I read were classics can tell she has that vibe doesn't like she? that bloody but you know what i broke can't me? join you in do you this know because i did the same do you know what quiz. do you know what broke me david bloody copperfield i thought if this is what i have to read to be legit like no thank you do you know i get david copperfield and the magician mixed up yeah. <laughs> what's his name david copperfield yeah, like, i thought you were talking about the magician it is the same name 
Because when it you say that name, name, when you say that name, I'm like, you don't have to read him. He's in Vegas or something. It's fine. So that broke me, and that finally freed me from the snobbery that I had inherited. I found. I think I found romance too early then. Because how old were you when you found romance? Fifteen. Oh, okay. Eleven. Okay. I was 14 and I feel like I had read all, all that I, the extent of my classics up until that time. Did you start though from standalones or Mills and Boone? Standalones. Yeah. I started on Mills and Boone. Mm, I think it's a different journey. Other things in. Yeah. You can't, like you, there's so much. I couldn't afford the standalones. I could only afford the Mills and Boone. Secondhand bookstores, $6. Libraries. Oh, libraries Uh, Well, I, so I had read everything in the library that Mm. I could get my hands on and my library didn't have, res- like, my mum didn't put restrictions on my library cards so I could read and borrow. I, I didn't know that was a thing. Know. They that, do that, that now. Well, now no. they don't even ask you now. They just, when your kid applies for a library card, they just I hate that. restrict them. I actually hate and that. And I went back and said, can you just let my kid borrow it, borrow these books? And they're like, no, we can't do it. It's automatic. That's oh, because, like... I think it depends on the library, though. Yeah. See, my library doesn't do that at all because often... Because you have a great library. I do. I met some of the librarians there. And I think often parents will use their kid's library card because you can borrow more books. And also, if you do return them late, the fee is smaller for yes. ch- on kids' library <laughs> yeah, cards. That's true. It just upsets Aww. me about those restrictions, though, because... Like, when you were allowed to go off by yourself and borrow whatever the fuck you wanted, that's how you discovered new shit. Like, if I had had restrictions, maybe I wouldn't have been able to borrow Forever by Judy Bloom at but, the age of seven years old. Well, also, though, these mm. weren't even adult books that my kids were trying to borrow. They were YA. Like, Hunger Games. I'm just like, are you serious? My cousin really restricts his kids' readings. Like, he will ask me whether or not it's appropriate for his kids. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Like, just let him read whatever. And he's like, no, not until they're this age. And that kind of thinking baffles me purely because my parents did not know what I was reading. They do not know what I read now. Like, my mum was like, where are you going tomorrow night? And I said, oh, I'm going to go record the podcast. And she's like, oh, Oh, maybe we should maybe we should watch the podcast. Is it is it on the television? Can we? And I was like, you're so fucking cute, Mum. Like you're so adorable. But I was like, dear Jesus, no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you about my podcast and what I talk about in this podcast. That's not for your ears. I've lent my mum a couple of books, but I I really distinctly remember there was a time where she borrowed Devil's Bride by Stephanie Lawrence, and afterwards she just was so obsessed with the fact that. There's a guy dying on the ground in front of them. It's quite early in the book. Oh, my God. But there's, yeah, so there's this guy and he's been shot and he's dying. And, and like, while he's dying, they're also, like, making eyes at each other (laughs) over the top of his, like, dying body. And I think they are maybe also still worried that the person who shot him is around and is maybe going to come after them. She just, she was so entertained by it. I don't think she's ever really respected my rating since. Oh God. There is a book, I want to say it's by Lindsay Sands, but I could be wrong. It's historical. And I know Kate Cuthbert has read this book because she tweeted about it. And I'm like, I know this book, but it was basically the guy had died. So he was on his bed dead and the hero and heroine just start making it. Oh my god! <laughs> like, there's no, no reverence anymore. No. There's no reverence. But actually, that's a classic. So maybe because if it's Lindsay Sands, that's not necessarily new, right? No, no. Lindsay Sands is she of the vintage of Johanna Lindsay? 
don't know, but I do have one of her books in my show. Okay. Joanna Lindsay's, an, well, I have read Joanna Lindsay, so How don't much? give me that look. I've read maybe five, okay. and then what broke me was this book where the Scottish dialect was so impenetrable, I could not. And I wish I could remember what that book was so I could, like, Probably all of cite the Scottish the ti- books. Probably, but maybe it was the one that definitely, like, I just had to stop because I just couldn't. I was just like, my comprehension skills have failed. She did write a very visceral Scottish accent. Yeah, it was very visceral. <laughs> um, I like. I loved Joanna Lindsay. These are the books that my library had. Joanna Lindsay, Jude Devereux, who else? Susan Anderson for a contemporary. Did you guys ever read Susan Anderson? No. Oh, I, I think I've read two. They're not that great. They haven't stuck with me. I think one guy had one of the heroes. The only thing that I remember about him was that his, his dick curved. <laughs> like, I had a really dramatic curve. Like, uh, and that was notable. And that's all I remember. So is that the only book that you feel like you haven't read from? Because I feel like you're so well read in romance. Old school romance. God, I love it when people compliment me. Thank you. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're right. I am really wrong. Have you, have you gone as far back? Have either of you gone as far back as like The Shake and the like Rosemary Rogers? Oh, maybe because I'm Beatrice Middle Eastern. Bertrice I cannot actually connect with Shake stories. Right. I don't like the premise. Fetishization of. Kinsale wrote Dream Hunter. That one was sexy. <laughs> But that's because, can I just say, they, they weren't shakes, they were Bedouins. Yeah, and I was true. like, fuck yeah, Bedouins are hot. Like, that really worked for me. <laughs> and it had cross-dressing. And it was also, oh my God, I'm so attracted to you, but you're my stable boy. And that's <laughs> my third favorite trope. <laughs> don't you love that? It's I like, do oh love that. Oh my God, you're a boy, but why am I so into you? It's coffee prints. Yeah. yeah. No, I yes. love that. I love the girl dressed as boy. God, it's so and then And boy sees him and starts to fall in love and question himself yes i love it there's, i love it so much there's a historical that was written recently of that trope elizabeth hoyt did she do it no i'm just thinking no it was elizabeth hoyt oh my god was it something was it her um what's her maiden lane series that's the series <laughs> <laughs> maiden lane is the name of the series I'm yeah i'm really surprising myself <laughs> with how much i'm remembering no it wasn't her Maybe it was Stephanie Lawrence. Do you still read Stephanie Lawrence? No, that's actually someone I can't read. Really? Yeah. So you haven't read any of her? <gasps> oh books? my god, I haven't read The Sisters. <gasps> wow. <laughs> okay, I. Have I am read shocked. Some of I, The Sisters. Yeah. I haven't read. The, I think I've read maybe one, and I didn't like it because it kept referring to desire as something that needed, like that was like bucking at the reins, like he needed to rein in his desire, and it was very hoarse. But Stephanie Lawrence is for a really long time. She was the reason why for a long time I was like, I don't like Australian authors. And then I realized that I love C.S. Buchanan and Cowan. And I was like, <laughs> I'm completely wrong. Oh, I another, didn't even know she was I Australian. Love- Gracie. And Gracie. I think that's my gap. My gap is Australian you ha- oh, historical mm, romance. Authors. Oh, okay. Anna Campbell. Haven't um, read. But I reckon you'd like The Perfect Rake by Anne Gracie. I will trust Rudy's opinion on this. Rudy, have you had it? Have you read that one? Yeah, and I love it, but yeah. I'm trying to think whether yeah, it would work for Gabby. Once you get past the start, <laughs> but like literally, I think the start would put you off. They're four, four sisters, five sisters. Just am not. There are to remember. Sisters. There are some sisters, <laughs> yeah, who. Uh, have been orphaned and they're in the care of their great uncle um, who is 
incredibly abusive, in particular towards the eldest and the youngest. I mean, the beginning is just that kind of whole thing of them of you finding out that they're in this kind of awful position and they need to run away and that they're going to run away to their other great uncle and lie to him about the fact that like they definitely are allowed to be in London. And because she, the eldest, who is the heroine for that book, is like she's solidly plain, like she's nothing kind of special, but all her younger sisters are like truly beautiful. Like it's all very sort of, it's a bit farcical. Once you're once you're in, you're in, but it is such a slow start. I don't remember the slow start. Because that's, like, something that is a no-go for you. It's not, yeah. Like... You are a no-go slow starter. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I love the book on the third reread. <laughs> yeah. Holy sh- See? You want me to – what the hell made you re-read it that many times for you to finally like it? I don't know. But, like, what I find By the time you're in, like, when you, when you do actually get in, mm. he's very – like, he's quite rich and he's – very handsome and popular and it's a whole fucking thing and he like full-on wholeheartedly falls in love with the elder sister the plain one the plain one and he absolutely does not recognize the fact that she's the plain one is he hot he is yes and he keeps i think i think she's curvy but um and so he talks to his cousin about like, isn't it unfortunate that her sisters are so plain? <laughs> and, and the cousin is like, "You what now?" So he's got a case <laughs> yeah. of love blindness. Yeah, and I then like he that. even so good. It's he so even good. like he says things to her about like her sisters being a fly in the ointment because like they're obviously them being not very attractive yeah. is clearly holding her back oh my god yeah, it's <laughs> so she's good. so confused she's like <laughs> everyone's confused everyone is really thrown by it like no one is quite sh- like they're like <laughs> and he's like accepting of the fact that he's super into her like he doesn't fight it no no yeah, you know what? I am But it this. really, like... And listen, it's only $3. That's <laughs> my budget. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to forewarn you that it's... You're going to have to work to get through but the beginning. But the in- entire plot is that she's plain. Yep. That's literally how it starts. Like the blurb, fate has lavished beauty on the marriage you sisters. That is all save the eldest. Like, the plot is that she's ugly. And then the... <laughs> Rake doesn't think so. And that makes him perfect. Yes. Um, no, there's, there is. So, okay. So Gabby, this is the there premise. is so much plot to this book. Like there's too much plot. You know, I hate plot. I know. I'm, that's, that's why, why I'm like, telling you. She knows. That's why she recommends this. me sex books. Like yeah. that's all I read. <laughs> Final thoughts. Do you feel Starting like. Starting to wrap up. Do you feel like less of a reader if you haven't. Or less of a good reader if you haven't read the books that are expected of you? Sometimes. I think that when you when you have read those sort of, I guess, like, for want of a better word, those canonical books, it means that when the tropes and stuff like that are subverted, you actually know that that's what... Like, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like knowing when something has been yeah like has been a reference like an intertextual reference or a subversion or a something that is part of the work doesn't exist in a vacuum 
I don't think any book exists in a vacuum. And I like having been well read enough to know where things are coming from and what they're drawing on. That said, there are some massively popular books that I've not ever read and I've lied. What? I've remembered a book <laughs> no, I lied about. Other than the ones. Well, like, Those are the main ones? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were going to reveal some other dirty secrets. Oh, I, look, I'll think about what other dirty <laughs> oh, secrets I've Rudy. got. Don't feel sorry for <laughs> her. <laughs> sorry for her. Our friendship is based on a lie. Anyway. <laughs> so um, I haven't read, and I do lie about having read, Fifty Shades. Could not finish. I also feel like, so for, for last thoughts, I would say f- the generation of readers who came through through Fifty Shades, they will have a different canon. In fact, I think a lot of them have a different community. Yeah, like that exists separately to the one that we're in. Well, there, yes, there's some overlaps and sometimes I forget and then sometimes readers from, from that overlapping community will say something or tweet something and then it'll remind me, that, oh, they came through the genre through Fifty Shades and that's why we have a different perspective. So I think I've been caught up with this idea of what a good reader is or what being what it looks like to be a good reader because I've actually been listening to a podcast that Rudy recommended to me. And which one? Which please? I feel like it is the perfect intersection of all of my interests. Yeah. Because they have like a pedagogical leaning, they have a feminist leaning, they have a Harry Potter leaning and a queer leaning and so it's all of these things that I'm super duper interested in and they the way that they read is the way that I want to read like they are so thoughtful in the way that they approach books even though these books are like they're children's fiction like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is a children's book but they labor over this book in a way that is so careful and thought out and critical and that's the type of reader that I want to be and I want to read widely in the genre so that I can have a greater understanding exactly of what you're saying Rudy in those intertextual kind of references those subversions those tropes that we love but we also like to see them turned on their heads so that's something that I've just been thinking thinking about a lot and trying to apply to my own reading because I, I think it makes your appreciation of the genre a lot deeper, especially if you're doing something like what we do. When we sit around in a circle and we discuss these books, I want to I want to keep talking about those critical elements. I want to dissect these books. And they do this really amazing thing where they're just like, they refuse to acknowledge what J.K. Rowling wanted, like that idea of authorial intention. Yeah. They're like, don't give a fuck what she wanted. It's unimportant. And that's kind of what we do. We do that in the same way. Um but we also do bring in the author because the author is a much more present kind of figure in our community. The author was the reader. The reader is often the author. So we can't separate the two. But I love this idea of being like, no, author- authorial intention doesn't count. We can consume these books and analyze these books and value them for whatever reasons. And that's just, I don't know, I'm really passionate about that at the moment and I really want to follow that. And so I'm going to continue reading and try to maybe read some more Australian historical romance authors since I don't read them at all. I'm going to be controversial and say you don't need to. They're not writing about Australian history anyway, so it's not like it's a gap in some sort of diversity in genre. Don't you think, though, the reason why I read Fifty Shades was, yes, because someone was like, oh, my God, it's so good, and then it wasn't. But I continued to read it so that I could critique it. 
I understand, but so you can be part of the I guess dialogue what I'm saying surrounding is, it. That's what I want. I want to read it, not for like. I want to be. I want to be part of the dialogue. I guess what I'm saying is, I don't. I don't consider the Australian historical authors to be writing something different to the American historical authors purely because they're Australian. Don't you? Like I don't see that Stephanie Lawrence writing a historical is her Australianness like means something in that regard. Like I, I don't think see it does. does it? Stylistically, I think there's something inherently different, which is why I could never connect with Stephanie Lawrence. Stephanie Lawrence does not write like American. She does it. Whether that's because she's Australian or whether that's just because she's different. Like now now that I'm thinking about it, Anne Gracie, Anna Campbell, it's traditionally published books and Stephanie Lawrence all super similar Mm -hmm. and they're not Mm. so i'm right all right well that's yeah i I can't imagine that there's anything else to add no (laughs) um other than i still can't believe that you guys didn't even try and read your books listen i didn't even realize until right now that my what my books were i can't i don't want to read these books (laughs) There's like, a reason I, I haven't read them. I actually thought that you were going to choose something like Alyssa Cole. But okay, I will oh, be willing to, to do those ones do that Charlotte are more Stein that are sweeter. more modern. I, I just feel like if I have to go back to bloody Patricia Gaffney or whatever, it's too far back. I never once said that it had to be Who vintage. Well, I know that. Patricia Gaffney. I don't know. I've read Patricia Gaffney. She's not my fave. All <gasps> Or Judith McCord or whatever. That you guys told me to read that I hate. Kiss and Comfort. I don't yes. accept this. Yeah. Rudy knows. I know. Rudy knows. I don't accept your invalid opinion of Joe Goodman. It was like, I'm sure she's. (laughs) It's all right. You're allowed to not like Joe Goodman. You're allowed to be wrong. That's all we have time for in this episode. Shout out to our audio producer, Rudy Bremer, both for putting up with my bullshit, her words, and for gifting me her copy of The Wolf and the Dove. You can find the show notes for episode 69 at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other listeners like you find the show. In the meantime, please visit us at bookthingo.com.au and have a fabulous fortnight of reading. Something by an old school. Yeah, there was... What's her face, Spencer? I Lavelle, can't. Spence. I can't say her Lavelle. name. <laughs> Surely it's not Lavelle. Lavelle. Anyway, I don't know. I don't, I, um, English is not my first language. Oh, shut up. No. Oh. <laughs> Gwyneth. Gwyneth. <laughs>